Hello and welcome to the Get a Game Plan podcast hosted by the Governor's Office of Homeland Security and Emergency Preparedness, or GOSEP. I'm Mike Steele, the Communications Director for GOSEP. For those of you not familiar with our office, GOSEP is the Louisiana State Coordinating Agency in order to prepare for, respond to, and recover from emergencies. We work closely with our partners at the local level to achieve our goals. This is our third episode. We have information many of you can use. We will be speaking with Dr. Michael Dunaway, Director of the Louisiana Business Emergency Operations Center at the University of Louisiana at Lafayette. Businesses are often key to helping the state deal with an emergency. Find out how these public-private partnerships are helping and what we can expect in the future as the state works to become more resilient. First, we will be speaking with leaders from the Louisiana Department of Transportation and Development about some of the resources the agency has available for you during an emergency. We will also speak to them about the recent snow and ice events and give you some insight on the decision-making process during that type of situation. One of the things we are doing each show is giving you a preparedness tip. Today we are highlighting fire safety due to a recent rash of house fires across the state this winter. Smoke alarms are a proven way to protect you and your family. Three out of five home fire deaths from 2010 through 2014 were caused by fires in homes with no smoke alarms or no working smoke alarms. When smoke alarms fail to operate, it's usually because batteries are missing, disconnected, or dead. It's a good idea to check batteries on the alarms by linking dates to special days like anniversaries, birthdays, or seasonal changes. And that is your preparedness tip for this episode. Our next interview today will be with Rodney Mallett. He's the Communications Director for the Louisiana Department of Transportation and Development. Rodney, thanks for joining us. Uh, thank you guys for having us. I think it's uh, very important to get this information out. DOTD is using some interesting resources to get information out to the public regarding our roads, not only during an emergency, but also on a daily basis. What's some of the resources out there that the uh, public can expect? Well, one of the best things you can do is check 511LA.org. If you go to that site, you can look at hundreds of cameras across the state. You can see uh, where the traffic is. You can see any construction. And it's very important to use that during the storm events. Any kind of road closures, like, you know, during the ice event that we had not too long ago, we were able to put up any closure as soon as we got that information from either our staff or from local or state law enforcement. We put that right up on that website. So if you wanted to plan your route, you could look and see what roads were closed due to weather or construction or a crash or what we like to tell folks, and I know that you're a big believer in this with your get up game plan, find your alternate route ahead of time. Look at that map. Plan an alternate route. That way, when there is a storm and you know that this road is going to flood or this road is going to ice, you'll have your alternate route and you're already set, and you can look on that website and see if that alternate route is open. You can also download that app on your phone, and that comes in real handy, too. Those are two very important ways that you can use 511LA.org. Another thing you can do is you can sign up to get My DOTD Notices. 
go to dotdla.gov and sign up, and they can send it to your phone or your computer, and you will have that information. You can sign up for lane closures, road closures by parish, by region, or by the whole state. So there's, there's a variety of different options. You are definitely correct. You know, that's one of the things I've noticed since, since I've found out about this personally. I know I've had a lot of friends and relatives, they contact me because they know, you know, I use these resources almost on a daily basis. And I'm kind of amazed that not more people are aware of this out there. They'll call me in the middle of a traffic jam and try and figure out, you know, what's going on on a Chafalaya Basin or whatever the case may be. So this is uh, some great information to get out to the public because, again, you can avoid a lot of these problem spots before you ever hit the road. That's true, and I'll tell you one thing. The number of hits, the number of people that go to 511LA.org, uh, it increases all the time. You know, we had, uh, we usually get about 2,500 or so. But we're going to get a lot more during these emergency events. And so, yeah, that, it's really taken off. And I think that uh, the people at GOSEP and our friends in the media, all of us have worked together to get the information out, get the message out about 511LA.org. So it, it's really taken off. Well, I can attest for that. It's good to know those resources are out there. But again, you know, this taps into that statewide network that you guys have helped set up. So we do have problem areas, but, uh, you know, when you can know these things uh, ahead of time, it, it's good to know. Now, we did have a very serious situation on the roadways over the past couple of weeks, a couple of different events. Uh, describe how DOTD attacks these snow and ice events that, that we don't see all too often, but uh, what goes into that planning process for these types of events? Well, what we do is we uh, before we have a winter weather event, we will make sure that we have all our equipment that is in working order. And we have a, you know, a ton. We have just, we have salt stashed in different areas all across the state. Of course, in the northern part of the state, they're going to get more opportunities to use it. But we still have salt in this area. And so our plan is, once we, we work real closely with our partners at the Governor's Office of Homeland Security and the Weather, uh, National Weather Service. And so what we do is we watch the weather. We will stage our salt and our salt spreaders. We have about 400 of them across the state that we can use, and we'll stage it. And what we're looking for is the elevated highways. You've seen the sign that says uh, bridge ices before road. Well, that's true. And in South Louisiana, we have a lot of bridges. So what we do is we will stage our salt and our salt spreaders at some of those key areas. In your Baton Rouge area, we're looking at US-190 bridge, the old Huey P. Long bridge, and the I-10 bridge, the Horace Wilkinson bridge. And so once it gets to a certain temperature and a certain amount of moisture, we will start salting, spreading, uh, brine, and trying to get as much salt as we can out on the roadways to keep it from freezing over. Now keep in mind, in South Louisiana, on I-10, the Chafalaya Basin is 18 miles long in both directions with two lanes, over water. So that thing is going to freeze early and stay frozen for quite some time. And once that happens, you're going to lose a lot of those elevated areas between Lafayette and Baton Rouge. So we know that. We know that's going to occur. We're going to try to keep it open as long as we can, but we will close it. Safety is our number one concern. We will close it once it gets to be impassable or deemed unsafe and concentrate our efforts on US-190. The main bridge on US-190 is the Crot Springs Bridge. And that's only four miles long. 
so we can use more resources people-wise and equipment-wise and less of our salt and brine to keep that bridge open and keep a thoroughfare open east and west on uh, US 190. And we do the same thing. We hit those bridges on 12. We'll hit the bridges on I-10. And we know there's a good possibility if there's a prolonged freezing event that we may lose those. And what happened not too long ago, I'm sure you're aware, record cold for an extended period of time. And there were areas on that Atchafalaya Basin Bridge that were feet of ice and not just inches of ice. So that is, people complain, people get upset because I know it's an inconvenience. But I'd much rather the inconvenience be that you had to take US 190 to get around instead of there was a multi-car pileup because of all the ice on the Atchafalaya Basin. And as you well know, that is a terrible place to have a multi-vehicle crash. That's one thing that people may not think about, uh, but just about any interstate system in, in South Louisiana it has those stretches like that with the miles and miles of, of elevated deck, right? Four of the longest bridges in the United States are going to be in Baton Rouge, all of them on I-10 in, or in that area. You know, I-55, that that's up there, the causeway, the basin bridge that we just spoke about in the Bonacary. Those are all super long bridges, and they are uh, over water. And once that temperature gets freezing or below, those are going to freeze over, ice over if you have moisture. And, and just like when you take a frozen pizza out of the freezer, I know that you're, you're a healthy eater and you probably don't know this, but when you take it out of the freezer and put it on the counter, it takes it a while to thaw out. And that's what's going to happen with a lot of these elevated bridges, elevated roadways. Uh, they freeze over. Once it gets to 33 degrees, that doesn't mean that it is going to thaw out and be safe. We have to wait for that ice to melt, which brings up a good point, something that you asked about earlier and, uh, and I missed out on. In South Louisiana, in your latest event, some of these bridges that I was told you about that had like many multi-inches, three, four, five, six inches of ice on them, what we did is we went out with tractors and backhoes and scrapers and try to mix up that ice, break it up, uh, so we could come by with salt and a spreader to help the sun thaw these bridges out as quickly as possible. And, and that, believe it or not, because we did have a couple days of closure, really helped us to get that whole interstate system open much faster than if we had just wait and let Mother Nature take her course. And I know this is one of the questions that came into us. Could the state just buy more salt and deal with this situation? I guess the short answer is once the conditions get that bad, it just doesn't make sense to try and keep some of these elevated roadways open. That's exactly right. I mean, it's not from lack of effort. We have guys working 24 hours, uh, guys and girls. We have DOTD crews working 24 hours around the clock in 12-hour shifts. Uh, we threw out a lot of salt in this last event, and it was a continuous effort. The one before, we lost the Sunshine Bridge. Well, what happened was there was a crash on the Sunshine Bridge, and once that happened, we were not able to spread the salt like we wanted to because we had a crash on the bridge. When that happens, it freezes up. Once you get that ice on it, the salt isn't going to melt it. So you have to have proper conditions. And in the last event that we had here in uh, January, the first one of 2018, throughout the state, we threw out almost 3 million pounds of salt statewide. Wow.
281 salt trucks and dump trucks were used to spread the salt across the state. And look, i tell you something else. Like, we're talking about the elevated roadways and above water. I-220 over Cross Lake, that, we're going to close that. There's alternate routes, and that thing is going to freeze. And up near Alexandria, the I-49 um, overpass uh, around MacArthur, that's going to freeze too, but there's so many alternate routes that people can use that are on ground level that yeah. we're going to use that uh, to concentrate. And that's one of the things that our friends at GOSEP and our state police and local law enforcement and us, we all work together to try to tell people in these situations, don't drive unless you have to. Absolutely. Because one of the reasons is, first of all, it's not safe for the drivers, as we well know. It's not safe for people to be driving while we have our emergency responders and our DOTD workers out working on the street. And third, these alternate routes that you may be routed upon, they're not going to be able to handle interstate traffic. That's so right. you're not going to be going anywhere fast because of the amount of traffic and the weather conditions. Well, Rodney, thank you very much. That's some great information for the public to have. Again, it kind of stresses the importance of having that emergency game plan ahead of time, knowing uh, where you can go and can't go before the conditions get like that. Rodney, thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate it. We all work together to try to do the best we can to uh, keep people safe and keep people informed. And any outlet that you have, we will gladly participate. Keeping with that same theme, we now move to the resource segment of this program. 511LA.org is a great resource for Louisiana drivers. Before you hit the road, take time to look for any potential problems, especially if you are traveling to an area you may not be familiar with. You can find information about road closures or emergency notices on that site. DOTD also operates multiple Twitter accounts covering each region of the state, such as BR Traffic or Shreveport Traffic. You can get information on these sites to help avoid problem areas. Now we'll be moving on to our second interview for this episode. Dr. Michael Dunaway is the director of the Louisiana Business Emergency Operations Center. He joins us now by phone. Doctor, we've seen the business EOC doing more and more during state emergencies. For people not familiar with the BEOC, describe what you do and how they help the state. Mike, thank you for the opportunity to talk a little bit about the Business Emergency Operations Center. We are in the University of Louisiana at Lafayette, situated in what's called the NIMSTAT Center. It's the National Incident Management System and Advanced Technologies Center. It's a research center, university-based, and works in emergency management and homeland security. And concurrently with that, we run the Business Emergency Operations Center for the state of Louisiana, labeoc.org. And the principal purpose of this is to actually build a public-private partnership between the state's emergency management and homeland security capability at both state and the parish levels, and a partnership with the business community and the private sector who have resources that we know have been used in the past during disasters for disaster response and recovery, and then also a lot of talent in the community, 
both in the business sector but also in the private sector and a lot of volunteers. Our role is to really help make those matches. We run a business web portal, as I said, labeoc.org, and it is the communication device that we use. It's Internet-based. It links with the Governor's Office of Homeland Security and Emergency Preparedness, GOSA, and the State Emergency Operations Center. And out of the university, we run the web portal, which enables us to pull requests for information and situational reports, and then transmit that information via the web portal to the state's private sector businesses and trade associations and organizations that we work with. We have a large membership of associations and individual businesses participate in DEOC, and that's our principal source of resources, but also communication between the local communities and state private sector resources, and then the Governor's Office of Homeland Security. You know, a lot of people may not be aware of this listening to us right now, but Louisiana was the first state to set up this type of model, and a lot of people are using the example that we set up here in other states and even other countries, for that matter, to kind of take a look at these at these public-private partnerships. And now, if someone listening is a small business owner, how can they get connected with BEOC, and what do you recommend for that person? Well, I'd have uh, two recommendations for any new business or any business that's not a, a current member or wants to get more uh, more engaged. One is to get engaged with your trade association, whether it's a banker's association, if you're in the banking and finance industry, or if you're in oil and gas, there are petroleum uh, trade associations, transportation, builders associations, and construction organizations. All those kinds of professional organizations are our principal source of linkage and our information. We transmit directly to the trade associations because they have their networks and they know their constituents groups and they can help much more capably than we can directly in getting that information out to the right people. They have bigger lists of members than we have. But we also do have direct memberships with the Business Emergency Operations Center. And a business can sign up for that service. A business or community can access the Louisiana Business EOC anytime. The, uh, The web portal is open to the public. But there is a section behind that that is for members only, and that's where we actually do the uh, the, uh, resource management information. And if a business will get on our website, uh, labeoc.org, and then just follow the links on there to sign up as a new member, that'll give access to uh, an individual customer, individual business, and the opportunity then to, uh, to get engaged with the state in providing resources and also gaining situational awareness of disaster status or emergency status and that kind of information. So I know in recent emergencies, we've seen the business community step up through the business EOC and kind of fulfill a lot of needs. And just to kind of explain it uh, to those listening, you know, every emergency starts out at the local level. And basically, GOSEP's primary role is to back up those local partners that we have And so then if the parish gets overwhelmed or if they get to the point where their resources are strained, they reach up to the state. And what we really want to explain to people is before we reach out to FEMA or the federal government for help, the BEOC is another opportunity for us to reach in a different direction for resources that they may be able to provide. And a lot of times it's cheaper, so it saves the taxpayers money, and it can be more efficient in some ways because they may be able to deliver those goods faster than what we can get from the federal government. So it's been a great partnership. Going forward, what do you see the office doing in the future? Well, thank you, 
Mike. We have some significant new initiatives we hope to start. I just wanted to comment on uh, what you just said a minute ago about the advantages of using the BEOC. One-third advantage, which is a really significant one, particularly that we have seen since the flooding in 2016, and that is when we use state resources, uh, whether it's pharmaceuticals for, uh, for medical customers or whether it's uh, food from grocery stores or lumber from our own uh, lumber yards or general supply stores, whatever it may be, when we do that, that money that is spent to buy those supplies stays inside our state. And that basically bolsters community-level economies and increases the rate at which a community can recover its economic basis and its financial status after a major disaster. And then the other side, too, is that that's being able to sell those products and services back to the state in an emergency under a, under a state contract uh, very rapidly uh, increases the recovery ability of a business to stay in business and also then to support the, uh, support the tax base, support the community itself, and get employees back to work. So there's a, a real circular effect, all of which is beneficial for using our state resources. And that's a role that the business EOC has been serving in, and we're real proud to be a part of the state's infrastructure for managing those kind of disasters. As regards future initiatives, the, the one that, that I think is the most important, and, and we're targeting this uh, right away. I've got some, some opportunities in planning. Um, we saw during the 2016 flooding that the recovery from a disaster is a lot more like economic development than it is emergency management. And I think everybody will understand that in an emergency, the professionals, uh, firefighters, uh, police, emergency medical technicians, search and rescue, emergency managers at the state and parish EOC, they really spring into action to provide the immediate response to a disaster. But after the immediate crisis passes and we're in a recovery mode, that then can stretch into weeks and months, and in some cases, as we've seen, it can take a, a year to recover some dimension of our financial and economic status. So that begins to look a lot more like economic development. And so one of our goals this year is to do a better job in reaching out and becoming more active with parish and regional economic development agencies and economic development administrations, uh, chambers of commerce, uh, again, trade associations and professional associations, and begin to build a better sense of connectedness across the entire state for the economic dimension and also the, the community dimension of recovering after a disaster. This is also a big, uh, big initiative with the Federal Emergency Management Agency and with state emergency management agencies around the country. And I think we all realize now that these very large-scale events that we've seen uh, require a whole community approach. Uh, it's not just words. There actually is a requirement and a need for us all to uh, form a partnership and do our part in building the reserve of the economy back up and getting our communities and our individual businesses and our families and schools back on their feet. So uh, uh, strengthening that outreach on the economic development side and uh, reaching out into the parish level, chambers of commerce and economic development associations is a big, uh, big target for this next year. And uh, we're looking forward to starting contact uh, more vigorously with those organizations to build a stronger economic development dimension to our emergency management preparedness capability. That's great to know because, like you said, if you if you don't have the jobs there and you don't have the way for the people to fully come back and recover, it just makes everything that much more difficult. We saw that after Katrina and Rita, 
you know, we've seen it after the 2016 flooding, you know, all over the state. So that's that's great points, and it's good to see that you guys are reaching out. Again, if, if someone is a business owner and they want more information, uh, could you repeat again where they should go and, and find that information? Absolutely. Our website, which is www.labeoc.org, Louisiana Business Emergency Operations, uh, that's our direct website, and we are also posted on the, we have a direct link on GOSEP's website as well for uh, business recovery operations, business emergency operations. So we can get, uh, reach us there. And then also there's another one, no, another website for the university itself, and that is nimsat.org. That's N-I-M-S-A-T, National Incident Management Systems and Advanced Technology Institute. And it links directly to the LABEOC. Okay. Dr. Dunaway, the director of the Louisiana Business Emergency Operations Center. Sir, thank you for joining us. We appreciate the information. Sir, thank you for the opportunity, and it's great to speak. We would like to thank Dr. Dunaway and Rodney Mallett for joining us today. For more on the topics we talked about, go to getagameplan.org and don't forget to follow GOSEP on Facebook and Twitter. I'm Mike Steele. Thanks for joining us. This podcast is produced in partnership with LOPA and the Gifted Life Podcast. Find out more about organ, eye, and tissue donation by listening to the Gifted Life podcast at thegiftedlife.org or download it from your favorite podcast app.